Thank you for listening to the only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. My name is Jerry Shapiro, and I am the owner of Uptown Drug in Los Angeles. You are listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hello, Pharmacy Podcast listeners. This is Ron Lanson, Government of Shapiro Strategist for the Pharmacy Podcast Show and owner of True North Political Solutions. And today we have another special treat for you. We have Jerry Shapiro, owner of Uptown Drug in Los Angeles, California. How are you, Jerry? I'm great. Good. Well, I'm glad that you were able to come on the show today, and especially from sunny California, and uh, give our listeners some information about pharmacy, and and they can learn about you. So, so uh, sounds exciting. Yeah, it's, it's, I believe it's going to be. So. Uh, Let's get right into the interview and start with your background here. Uh, could you tell our listeners why you became a pharmacist and what your store is about? I be- I'm actually a second-generation pharmacist and pharmacy owner. Uh, my father opened the original Uptown Drug on BJ Day 1945, and uh I became interested in pharmacy because uh, my goal in life has always been to help people. And this uh, and this has been a great opportunity for me to expand on that. And that's what my store is about. Uh, we take care of a very senior population for the most part. And most of these patients are homebound, so we deliver to them. But we're constantly doing uh, counseling on the phone, and uh, often we serve up to three generations at the same time. Very impressive. That's a long time to be in business, too. Um, you don't really hear a lot of pharmacies lasting that long, and that's a really interesting story. So do you just do uh, retail? Are you in any specialty or anything like that, or is it just... Um, our, our retail, uh, we, we do have a front end, and, we, and we're in an office building in downtown Los Angeles. So we do take care of a, a lot of, the, of a lot of the needs for the people in our building and the buildings surrounding us as well. And I always try to bring in um, unique products, over-the-counter products, that can be helpful for the simple maladies that people have and uh, build uh, upon that so when they have uh, medical issues, they often come to to us for their first suggestions be, before they feel a need to see a doctor. And that's right up, right up a lot of pharmacist alleys. I mean, that's exactly why, um, you know, your service exists and it's so important to the community. Which leads me to my next question. Over the years, I know I've interacted with you in the past on several issues related to advocacy. And I think we both know that it's very important for pharmacists to be advocates in their community. Um, What are some of the things that you've done to help the pharmacy community? 
Well, for for a long time, um, I, I've been uh, I I feel like the uh, lone wolf in in fighting against uh, the tyranny of uh, the people who are regulating us. Um, in the last few years, uh, I've gotten more allies. Um, my big, our biggest victory, I feel, was when the state of California tried to reduce our compensation uh, below what uh, medication cost us, and we were basically able, through three people, um, three pharmacy owners, and a whole group of patient advocacy groups, uh, to stop this. So pharmacists. Uh, in the Medicaid program in California remained whole. Uh, there was a settlement this year after six years in the courts, and basically we won. Um, the state exempt, even though the state reversed what the, the injunction that we had obtained, um, they basically uh, backed off and exempted uh, 80% of the drugs that are dispensed on the Medi-Cal program from any cutbacks. Yeah, that's that's, uh, an issue I remember watching for a long time from afar. And uh, you think of a a big program like Medi-Cal and just the impact that it has on its provider community, or at least the patient community, and uh, with those reimbursement cuts that they were proposing, I mean, just would have been detrimental uh, to you guys out there. So I'm glad that you took that stance and um, have worked for a positive solution for pharmacy. Is that over by any any means, or are we still looking at uh, further advocacy in that area? Um, I think that uh, pharmacy owners and pharmacists need to be vigilant um, and keep uh, – their eyes and ears open because I think there's always, um, uh, how can I put this? Uh, there, there's always uh, people who are trying to uh, take away our business for, for lack of a better uh, explanation. And I think that we know the usual culprits in that story, but I, I guess the people taking it away, uh, PBMs, would, would there be anybody else you would, say? Uh, you know, it, it's it, it's interesting you put it like that. The PBMs are, are certainly a major a major issue for us. Um, but I but I think more important than that is the reason or the reason that they are is they're basically an unregulated industry. I mean, uh, they are exempt from antitrust. And as, but we're not, we're restricted by antitrust. And all I would ever ask for is let's make it a level playing field and let's compete equally and let's see what happens. But the way the laws are written today, um, it's not a level playing field. It's a stacked deck. And we we have to find ways to change that. 
And one of the things that I'm working on right now is to recreate something that uh, was established under NARD, the National Association of Retail Druggists, many, many years ago, is a close relationship with um, all the patient advocacy groups uh, in a particular area. I think this is important because uh, politicians and the courts will listen much more closely to patient advocacy groups than they will to uh, pharmacists and pharmacy owners because they can always say that we have a vested interest in what we're uh, advocating for, whereas a patient ad advocacy group is basically just advocating for the benefit of the recipients. I'm actually very glad that you brought that up. And I was hoping that would come up at some point in this interview because I know we've talked offline about patient advocacy and the importance for pharmacy to engage uh, in a more active conversation with patient advocates. Um, has that been done in the past? You mentioned NARD. I mean, what were some of the conversations or maybe uh, successes that you've had or have you seen? And uh, how could those lessons, I guess, be learned from the past and be applied today? Well, I, I think that requires a little bit of background. At one time, uh, in, uh, probably about 20 years ago or maybe a little longer, at, at NARD, um, all of the major patient advocacy groups used to meet at the NARD office once a month. There was a liaison person, and she was a former staffer for uh, Senator Kennedy, and a New York Times reporter as well. And they used to meet once a month. And I would advise all of your listeners to find out or to learn how powerful um, community pharmacy was at one time is to rent the movie Charlie Wilson's War and watch it. There, because there's a place in, in that particular movie that talks about the power of the community pharmacist. And I think we've gone away from that, from people who we can help and who can help us in a symbiotic relationship um, to make the lives better for the patients we serve. Yeah, this is really good stuff because you've been around a long time and you've seen what works, what hasn't worked, what could be improved. And, um, that's a very good point, and I really do hope that this conversation is picked up and, and it's acted upon um, nationally. So those are very good suggestions. Very good movie, by the way, too. I remember watching that, and uh, it really makes you amazed at how one person can actually make a difference. Well, I think what really brought it back to the forefront for me is in the um, court case that I spoke about earlier in this interview, um, the lead plaintiff in our case against the state of California was the Independent Living Center of Southern California, who basically takes care of brain injury, injured patients. And because of that, the court was very, uh, listened very closely to what we had to say and uh, was ruled pretty much in our favor uh, Three years ago in October, I was at the Supreme Court where our case was actually heard before the United States Supreme Court, and 
we won there. And then when it went back to the state, uh, the Ninth Circuit did o did overturn our injunction. But I believe the state realized that the deck was stacked against them because of the advocacy groups involved. Involved. And, and this uh, really was a benefit for us. Well, that's good. Um, well, I have to ask you, as a California pharmacist, uh, you've seen last year how the state actually passed the provider status legislation. And for our listeners that uh, may not have heard this interview, uh, I, I believe it was a few months ago, might have been two months ago, we interviewed John Roth, the CEO of the California Pharmacists Association. It's a very good interview, and he gave a very uh, detailed description of the legislation, how it was going to be beneficial for the pharmacy community. So I'm just curious. I know that you've been uh, very active with that legislation. I remember seeing you on um, in, in Capitol, uh, not Capitol Hill, but at least in the Capitol in Sacramento, uh, advocating for it. Uh, can you speak? from your own perspective about why this piece of legislation would be beneficial to pharmacy? I think it would be, I mean, my belief that it's going to really help the young pharmacists who are coming out with uh, unbelievable educational skills and uh, won't need to take classes as people like I would to bring us up to speed to basically uh, assist in the shortage of medical care, especially with the implementation of the Affordable Care Act. I mean, there are going to be so many more people needing medical care, and there's a shortage of physicians in almost every area of the country. Um, and here's an opportunity uh, with training that pharmacists can step in and continue to be the first line of treatment uh, especially for minor things that people don't have to go to a physician's office or can be referred to by the pharmacist after initial screening and take a big workload uh, off the physicians to really uh, let them do what they do best. And that's really going to be very beneficial to patients. I mean, that's going to contribute greatly to the outcome, and the outcome is to make that patient whole again. So um, I think this is a good and important tool to have. So, I couldn't agree with you more, Ron. Yeah, definitely. And uh, anything would be uh, great, you know, as far as building more tools. I know that there is a, um, a provider status bill, I believe it's H.R. 4190, and it's being backed by the American Pharmacists Association, APHA. And uh, they're going to be coming on to the show here uh, very shortly to talk about uh, that, I guess, effort that they're spearheading along with the coalition that they've built. So I'm glad that California happened because I think that that's helped uh, spur the discussion on a national level. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. So now I've got another question for you, Jerry. And um, again, you've been around, you've seen a lot of different things. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see facing pharmacy today? And with that, are they best solved by state or federal advocacy, in your opinion? Well, being what I see going on in, on the federal level, um, I think the states are the answer. And the reason I say that, 
we read all the time in the newspaper and here on the news about gridlock. Gridlock is right now um, unavoidable. The extremes in both parties are in control. Um, and uh, there's no middle ground. I mean, if you look, I mean, here we are today, uh, the 50th, 50th anniversary of the Civil Rights Bill that was passed, you know, federally by Lyndon Johnson. And at that time, in, in our history, uh, people learned to work together in, in Congress, particularly. I think those days, unfortunately, have gone away. And I think much of the action will take place in states. And I think that's where we have to be uh, aware of what's going on. We have to be committed and involved. And we, we as pharmacists cannot be apathetic that we're willing to accept whatever is being offered to us. I think we have to be questioning, challenging, um, and, and use the knowledge that we have and, and the relationships that we build um, to make the future brighter for the aspiring pharmacists, the ones who are coming out of school. I feel, uh, I mean, I'm 71 years old now. I'm still practicing. I love what I do. Uh, I love helping people. Um, I do have two younger pharmacists who work for me. But my only question to an aspiring pharmacist when they come to interview for me is, why did you get into pharmacy or why did you decide on pharmacy? And if it's not to help people, the interview for me is basically over. Um because that's what I feel our function is. We, we are advocates for the patient, and we have to remember that at all times. That's exactly. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, um, you hit it on the head, too, when you said apathy, because I see that in a lot of places where I'm at, too, um, different states that we're involved in. And it's sad, and it, it's, I can understand why. I mean, it's just not the easiest environment to operate in. But I always tell people, you know, once you stop and you just throw up your hands and you say, well, you know, I'm just not even going to get in the process anymore. Or I give up. You know, what I do is, is not really working. That's when the enemy wins. And, uh, you know, if, it, if it's bad now, imagine what it's going to be if people stop talking. And you're right. It's, it's for the patient. And I think that uh, once people remember that, it just there's something inside them that amps them up and says, you know what, I got to get back up and fight, fight again, you know, just keep fighting. So um, I think those are very encouraging words. Very, um, those are very good. Well, um, you've pretty much gotten to my last question here. Uh, any words of advice you would offer to an aspiring pharmacist? Is there, are there any other closing thoughts you have? Um, I guess, I guess my my closing thought would be stop complaining and start doing. I hear to I hear uh, I hear so many pharmacists complain about the minutia. Uh, I'm underpaid on this or this or this. I says, okay, what are you going to do about it? 
And I even tell that to customers who come in, you know, patients who are complaining about their copay or complaining about their higher deductible. I says, well, what are you doing about it? I said, do you think that maybe you could have an outcome in this? Because unless you get involved and let your people in elected office know that you're not happy with the change in your policy or your HR person, I said, how do you think things are going to change? Well, definitely people need to stay involved. There's no question about that. Well, Jerry, I really appreciate your time. I know that uh, we can have some other conversations about things such as the CMS proposed rule that uh, has kind of been suspended, but uh, that may be another conversation for another day. And, uh, you know, we always welcome you back on the show. And uh, we loved having you. The only other question I have for you is if listeners want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Um, they can always contact me through my email at jerfarm, J-E-R-P-H-A-R-M, like in mother, at earthlink.net. I answer anything that's sent to me or pass it on to somebody who I think knows more than me about a particular subject. Well, thank you again. That was Jerry Shapiro of Uptown Drugs in Los Angeles, California. And this is Ron Lampin, uh, Government Affairs Strategist for the Pharmacy Podcast Show and owner of True North Political Solutions. If you have any other questions uh, for me, my contact is ronlampin3 at truenorthps, as in politicalsolutions.com, or you can find us on LinkedIn and uh, follow us uh, Thank you so much, Jerry, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you, Ron. Have a great day. You too.